thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. This morning, we are looking at the second coming of Jesus Christ and the judgment of Jesus Christ when he returns, which just so you know, is going to happen. Just so you know that. Well, is it going to happen? I'm telling you, it's a coming, okay? It's coming. And you can bet on that horse because one day it's going to show up and there it's going to win. I promise you that one. So I want, I want to read, before we get into this, I want to read two sections of Scripture that, were, that are the major chunks of Scripture that speak to these two areas of the second coming of Jesus and the judgment of Jesus Christ. And so let's get into them, and then we'll get into the message. Are you guys excited to hear this message today? Okay, good. All right. Because I'm real excited to give you the date when he's coming back as well. Just kidding. Anyway, all right, let's read. First uh, Thessalonians, this is about... The return of Jesus Christ. So brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again. And so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. I want you to just realize what it says here at the, at the end of this passage. Encourage. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Now that passage has some things of the second coming of Christ. Also has some things referring to the rapture. But today we're talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. Also I want to look at the other passage about the judgment of Jesus Christ. Out of John chapter 5, Jesus is speaking here. For just as the Father raises the dead and gives them life, Even so the Son gives life to whom he is pleased to give it. Moreover, the Father judges no one. I want you just to to catch that for a second. The Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. And who's the Son? Jesus. That all may honor the Son just as they honor the Father. Whoever does not honor the Son, speaking of Jesus, does not honor the Father Who sent him. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me, remember this is Jesus talking, has eternal life and will not be judged. Say this with me, will not be Christians, I want you to hear this for a moment. Jesus says, whoever hears my word, which is his gospel, and believes him who sent me, which is God has eternal life, and will, say it with me, will not be judged. I just want to stop just for a moment, because many times when you talk about the judgment of Christ and the second coming of Jesus, Christians start getting all insecure. 
We do. We naturally do. We think, oh, gosh, he's going to judge me for, for everything I've done. And, man, I've had a bad thought, and then I'm going to get judged for it. Actually, you need to know this. If you are in Christ, Christ took the judgment, the wrath of God for your life upon himself on the cross. Therefore, you are free of judgment. You're free. And so you just put your trust in him and follow him. And as Jesus says, you will not be judged. Everybody say amen to that. Don't forget that when you leave here today. But has crossed over from death to life. Speaking of the believer, they crossed from death and now they're into life. Very truly, I tell you, a time is coming. This is Jesus talking and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. And those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son, speaking of Jesus, to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to judge, because he is the Son of Man. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. Those who are saved will rise to live, and those who have done what is evil will rise to live. To be condemned. So these are the two major passages that speak of the second coming of Jesus and also speaks of the judgment. There, the Bible is full of other passages that, will, that speak into this, that give some shadows and types and shadows of what's going to happen. There's prophetic words that come from the Old Testament that the prophets were speaking, um, particularly in Zechariah, lots of amazing stuff in there. But we, I just want to look at today, these, out of these two passages, I want us to walk slowly so that you can understand the second coming of Jesus and the judgment. It's just going to be fun. And so what's really amazing, though, about this is uh, there, there's a lot of thoughts around the second coming of Jesus. With just a little bit of research, um, I found 21 very prominent ministers who predicted the date and the time of Christ's return. Many great men, men and great women who pre- predicted. They really believed this is the time. This is when Jesus is going to come back. This is the day he's going to come back. But here's something they all have in common. Do you know what it is? They were all wrong. It doesn't mean that it discredits their ministry. It just means they were wrong. And I'll share with you later about how no one should actually try to do that. But what happens when some people try to predict, as Scripture says, no one knows actually except for the Father. But as people try to predict, um, and they predict through the signs, which is exactly right. What Jesus said, you need to know the signs. And here are some of the signs. But the day is unknown. But what happens is people will predict, and they make dates, and those dates come and go, and nothing happens. And then what happens and can happen in the church is then we, we begin to have a lesser view or a lesser value or a lesser importance on the second coming of Christ. And so I just want to help us slide that aside, every, every prediction, just put it aside. And I want you to know that the Bible says the return of Jesus Christ really matters in our Christian walk. It really matters. And we can look at the signs and determine what does that mean to us. So what does it matter according to Scripture? What does, it, what does it do for us to help us keep moving forward and to put something in our belly that helps us live the life that God's called us to live? And I know the second coming of Jesus, for many, it's a strange idea. And I understand that. And it's strange because we haven't seen it before. 
It's strange because people have written about something to be, but haven't written about something that already was. We read the life of Jesus, and it's, a, it's an eyewitness account. It lays it out. It's proofed. It's amazing. But this idea of the second coming of Jesus is what is to become. And so there's, there's some, some confusion about it. It's a strange idea. Others, it, they are just confused. I don't get it. I don't understand how this works. Many believers, as I've already said, are fearful about the second coming of Jesus because, again, many of us have this eternal insecurity that we think, am I really in? And I believe God wants to set all of us free from that today and help us to know if you are in Christ, you are in Christ. And when Jesus said, no one can pluck those that the Father has given me from my hand, that actually means no one. You're saved, period. Amen? And that, that's, I, I want you to understand that. So I want to look at some of the important elements of the second coming of Jesus and how this should encourage us, it should excite us, it should, it should fill us with a, with a sense of urgency, with a sense of, come on, this is really cool, because the important thing is this, Jesus is returning, and he's coming, I believe, pretty soon. First of all, it's important that churches talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ. We remind ourselves that Christ is returning. He, he, he lived, he died, he rose, he ascended, and he will also descend, which means his, he will come again for the church. So I want to look at just four questions about the second coming and the judgment of Christ today. I want to look at who, who is returning. It's kind of an easy one there. Um, when, how, and why. Just four little questions about the biggest thing that's been debated in churches over the centuries. The return of Christ, though, for the, for the New Testament church and for us, when you read in Scripture, it was a great encouragement for believers. They were filled with hope. They were filled with excitement. They were filled with urgency. And you saw it in how they lived their lives. You saw it in what they did with their finances. You saw it in how they, how they gave and what, how they served. So Peter wrote about it in the Bible. Paul wrote about it. Jesus talked about it in Matthew 24, 25, Mark 13. It's, it's just, it's all throughout the Bible. So the first one, who is returning? And so let's look at the who for a moment. Besides, yeah, well, it's Jesus. He's coming back. But I want to look at the substance of Jesus when he returns. Because Jesus said goodbye. He really did. Many of us have said goodbye to loved ones and maybe um, families have said bye to, to kids going off to college maybe for the first time. Or, or you, you, you know, you ever heard of the, the holiday blues? My mom gets it almost every year. Her kids come around. Her, her house is full of grandbabies and, and boys who eat tons of her food and, and, and she's preparing and cooking. And so they, they go from this house full of life to in one day, quiet. And she misses her family. And we say goodbye. As a matter of fact, my mom, when she says goodbye to us, she doesn't say goodbye. She says, see you later. Because she doesn't, she goes, I'm not saying goodbye. I'm, I'm gonna, I will see you again. And there's great hope in knowing, just like we, we're going to see our family members again. You're going to see a daughter, a son off to college. You're going to see them again. If someone lives a few hundred miles away, yes, they're going away, but you will see them again. And that's our, our expectation or our anticipation is we will see them again. And it brings us great hope. Well, less than two months after Jesus rose from the dead and he was with his disciples, he left. 
And Acts, the book of Acts tells us a story of him being taken up to the heaven and then disappearing. And once he disappeared, uh, angels appeared. It says that angels stood watching, watching the disciples as, as these men stared up to the sky, anxious, nervous. Oh, Jesus is gone and he would walk with us. And, and, I mean, we were with him for three years and then he's been with us for 40 days and, and now he's gone. And they're just standing there thinking, well, maybe if we wait long enough, he'll come back again. I don't know. They just stood there. But the scripture says that the angels reminded them of something. And essentially what the angel said is, this is not a goodbye. This is, I'll see you later. And that's what they were, they were determining, or they were giving that to the disciples. So we find the angel spoke to them and said this in Acts 1, 11. It says, men of Galilee, disciples, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus, say that with me, this same Jesus, who's been taken from you into the heaven, into heaven, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. So this same Jesus, what, what do they mean by that? I, I want us to look at what the angel said, this same Jesus. In your notes, this is the same Jesus will return. But I want to talk to you about what that means. I want you to think about, they could have used a name for him, but you know what they called him? The angels called him Jesus. They called him the name that was given to him on this earth. This was, they were talking of Jesus, the God, God who became flesh, named Jesus. And, and I believe that his humanity will stay with him forever. Jesus came as a man. He lived as a man. He died as a man. He was resurrected as a man. He ascended as a man. And he will return as a man. Yes, he has a glorified body, but Jesus will never shed his, his humanity. He will be always be fully God and fully man. This same Jesus, the man and God, will return. The same Jesus that you just saw. He's not going up. He's going, to t he's going to become something else and then come back down. No, this same Jesus, your friend that you long to be with, he will return. He will see you later. That's, that's what the angels are saying. And the early church was told this, this same Jesus will return. As you saw him, so will he be when he returns. And there was a time in church history when people were saying that the spirit of Christ will return or a form of Jesus will return or a transcendent being of Christ will return. That actually was a, it was a teaching that was going around in the very, very early church. But the Bible doesn't allow us to believe that. So who is returning? It describes that this same Jesus that ascended will descend and he will descend the same place that he ascended the Mount of Olives. He will descend back on the Mount of Olives. But when he comes back, it's going to be a little different story. And what's really amazing, just on, on a side note, what's really amazing is when you go to Israel, you stand on the Mount of Olives. And you think, this is the place. You open your Bible, this is Mount Olives. You look around, this is where Jesus is going to return. And then you look over here at the gate and you think, and, and you know, that's the gate he's going to walk through. It's right there. You can see it. It's right there. And it's just amazing. This is the same Jesus will descend, step foot on the Mount of Olives, and he will walk in that gate right there, and he will set up his rule in the third temple when he returns. It's going to be a lot of fun. But it's, but it's important for us to understand that 
There are other things about his return. One is Jesus will return. He will be physical. He will be personal. He will be visible. And it will be sudden at one moment he will show up. In other words, he, he's not there and then he shows up, he's there. So when is he returning? I'm thinking September. I'm just kidding. I don't know. When is he returning? I want to look at the wind just for a moment. The disciples came to Jesus when they were walking with him. They'd actually walked, they were walking around the temple. And they said this, Jesus, tell us when you're going to come back. Because Jesus had, had, had articulated some things about he would return. Tell us when you're going to be. Just let us, give us the time. Give us the date. And then this is what Jesus said to the disciples. Matthew 24. But about that day or hour that you're wanting me to tell you, disciples, no one knows. Say this with me. No one knows. Now, Jesus said that, okay? No one knows. Not even the angels in heaven. Now, this, this next one blows my mind. Nor the Son, but only the Father. So, no one knows the day or the hour. Even the angels in heaven don't know. Nor the Son knows. You say, well, Jesus, see, there you go. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. See, nobody knows. It doesn't matter. Actually, that's not what Jesus was saying. Jesus clearly says, I'm not going to tell you the when, but I am returning. And then, before he said this, he was articulating what signs they're to look for. They're to look for signs. They're going to look for things that are happening. They're going to be, in other words, when you see these things, it's going to be close to my return. Let's look at Matthew 24, 1 through 8. And Jesus says this, Jesus left the temple and was walking away when his disciples came up to him and said, called his attention to this building. Do you see all these things Jesus was saying to them? Truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left on another. He was speaking about the temple at the time, Herod's temple at the time. Everyone will be thrown down, speaking of the ruins. You can go there today and they are all toppled and just laying all over the place. As Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately. Tell us, they said, when will this happen? What, what, when will this sign? So if you're not going to tell us when you're going to come back, can you tell us when the signs are going to happen? He's like, Jesus is like, you can't trick me because they go together. And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? Jesus answered, watch out that no one deceives you. For many will come in my name, claiming I am the Messiah, and will deceive many. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen. Everybody say must happen. But the end is still to come. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. So once you see these things, it's getting close. And so I, I, I want to look further into this. Jesus, or sorry, James describes the return of the Lord Jesus as being at hand very soon. 1 Peter 3.10 says the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. It's going to happen. Boom, boom. There it is. In other words, you're not expecting that he's going to show up. And so what ideas or what things do we know about the coming of the Lord Jesus? We know it's going to be sudden. We know it's going to be unexpected. We know it's going to be like a thief in the night. And so here's the question, why does it matter that it's going to be sudden? Why does it matter that Scripture articulates it's going to, it's going to come out and no, boom, there it is. It's going to happen. And I think it's because we must live our lives as though it could happen at any moment. 
And we must live in the light of Christ's return. But before I get into that, I just want to run through what are some of the signs in Scripture that, that we're saying that Christ's return is near. This isn't all of them, but this is a few of them, the, the kind of the solid ones. Number one, that how do we know that the return of Christ is soon? Number one, the gospel will be preached to all nations. Say all nations. So the gospel must be preached to all nations. Here's, here's the reality. This hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened yet. Estimated about one-third of the world has not heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. One-third doesn't know about Jesus. That should be motivating for us. Number two, one of the signs is wars and rumors of wars, and they will increase with intensity. I don't know, I found this amazing fact that since 1901, January 1st of 1901, the world has never had an hour of peace. It's in turmoil. Number three, false prophets coming in the name of the Lord Jesus, healing people. To have, they have secret messages from God. They're the only ones who can hear it. They're the only ones that know what's really going on. And they even claim to be the Messiah. This is happening today. Even in Israel, there are some rabbis who will say, I am the Messiah. Actually, today you can go to Israel and they have pictures of this particular rabbi that, that his, those who are following him are saying he is the Messiah. Signs in heaven, number four, which is natural disasters. And this is that somehow the world is shaking. It is, it's pulsing for its creator to return. Number five, the coming of the man of lawlessness or the man of sin. And this is one of the passages about this out of, is out of 2 Thessalonians. And this is called also the great rebellion. But it's the rising up of a, of a person and a system that is an alternative to Christ. And the, the Greek word here is translated the Antichrist. So these are some things that need to, to come on the scene. And so some of them have been fulfilled, but not all of them have been fulfilled. And so whatever we think, whatever your opinion is about when Christ will return, it's important to understand that the Bible speaks about the when, not so that we can nail down a date and a time. This is why the Bible speaks of it. The Bible speaks of the when, and you have this on your notes, so we will live in expectation and urgency of his return. This is why the Bible speaks of it. It speaks of it so we can, can raise our expectation and lift our heads to the glorious return of Jesus Christ to this earth. We can be inspired. We can live purposeful. We can live our lives on mission. We can make a difference with our lives with this urgency to know he is coming and his eyes are locked on me, but he's coming after a bride and a groom that has been busy while he has been gone. Now, it's not about busyness. It's been that we are carrying out our mission of why we, serve, why we live and why we are, we are saved. This is something that's very important. We should not be mesmerized with information. We should be inspired by the urgency of the task of carrying the gospel to a lost and broken and hurting world. That without the gospel, they will be damned and go to hell. You guys with me? That should be why we look at these things. 
not to be mesmerized with information, but to be inspired with an urgency to carry out the gospel to the ends of the world. Another way of looking at this is when, when these things, all these things that we just looked at start to take place, we can take courage. We can lift our heads. We can, we can say, listen, our hope is rising and we can proclaim, wait a minute, hey, hey world, listen, listen, let me show you these things that Jesus said were going to happen. Let me show you what's actually happening and this can help us use these things to reach people who are lost and broken. Because Jesus said this in Luke 21, he said, when these things begin to take place, Stand up and lift your heads because your redemption is drawing near. I love the King James says, because your redemption draweth nigh. I like that one better. But, but look at this. Look what Jesus said. When these things begin to take place, get anxious, freak out, lock yourself in the church, have prayer meetings all the time. Don't, don't mingle with those other people who aren't saved. No, no, when these things begin to take place, don't be in fear. Don't hide. You should shine like the church and stand up and lift up your heads because don't worry. Don't, don't, no, 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 don't worry. Your redemption is coming, and it's me, Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying. We wait in expectation of his return. But also, something that's important, he is waiting an expectation of his return as well. He is longing to be with his church. As much as we long to see him, he's longing to see us. And he's longing for us to see him. And we are to live our lives in the light of Christ's return. He is coming again. It's not a theory. It's not a Thought, it's not a mm, maybe. No, my friends, he will return. I promise you. We, we are to live in the light of his return, meaning we're to live with the motivation that he is returning. We're not to live in the light of my bank balance and do everything I can to just get the bank balance. We're not to live in the light of, of worldly pleasures and say, this is all the, it's all about me, it's all about what I want, it's all about what makes me feel good. What about, what, you know, it, church is about me and life's about me. No, no, we're not to live in the light of what we want. We're not to live in the light of gaining res- recognition. We're not to live in the light of, of making a church popular. We're not to live in the light of, of living for me, but we're to live in the light of Christ returning, and we're to live like he is coming back soon. That's what the Scripture is talking about here. So that's the when, but what about the how? How is he going to return? How will he come again? And I believe that his second coming, is not, it's not going to be like his first coming. He's not going to be a babe in a, in a, in a manger He's, he's, not, he's not coming as a, as, a, as a humble servant and child, but he's, he's going to descend like he first ascend. His, his second coming is going to be like his first going. I think it's the best way to say that. And his, his return will be visible. It will be audible. It will be tangible. Thousands of angels will accompany his return. Millions of people will see him. The archangel will speak and trumpets will sound. Lightning from the east to the west, which is out of Matthew 24. He won't return in weakness, but he will return in power. 
He won't return in humility. He will return in glory. He won't return defeated, but he will return reigning king. That's how he will return. That's good. It's good news. There will be instant recognition. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess. He is the Lord. There are three words, though, that, that I really, as I was looking into them, they're really fascinating about three, three descriptions of the return of Christ. And these three words are used, and they give a further description of, of Scripture when it talks about the return of Christ. And so it's, it's a great picture just to help us understand also how the Bible articulates why or the how Jesus is returning. The first word is parousia, which is a, it's a Greek word. doesn't matter. I'm just telling it to you just for information's sake. But it's the word that it's like one who waits there for a bride or a groom at their wedding. They are full of anticipation. They are excited. They're a little nervous, but they are getting ready to get hitched, baby. And that's, that's the picture there. It also speaks of a king or the king landing on the shore of a country. His army has already conquered, and he steps onto it as the victor and reigning king. Also, a groom for his bride and as a king for his people. There is a Jesus, his heart is pulled deeply to us. The next word that's in the New Testament is epiphania. And this is the sudden arrival. I think it's where we get the word epiphany. But it's a sudden arrival, appearing. Boom, there he is. He wasn't, and then there he is. I mean, within a, within a, a blink of an eye, a nanosecond, he will not be there. And then it's go time. It's on. He's there. And this word also speaks of comfort. It speaks of strength. It's kind of like in, in a Western, um, Western movie where, where, you know, these people are being pinned down by the bad guys and the, and, the, and the really good guy is just getting ready to die. He's an inch away from dying. And at the moment, the cavalry comes up over the hill and the bad guys scatter and the, and the good guys stand up and say, I'm so glad that you're here. That's, that's, the, that's the picture. It's a word picture of the return of Jesus. The last one is apocalyptus, which is, it's not so much of a sudden arrival, but it's a sudden revealing of who someone is. It's, it's this realization, this is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So he's not coming as a baby or suffering Messiah, but he's revealing all of his glory, all of his strength, all of his power. Daniel describes him having, as having hair, the, the book of Daniel describes Jesus as having hair as the clouds and eyes as fire. Not, not because that's what he looks like. It's because that's the only way you can describe him. It is Jesus. He is the great and glorious king of all the ages. So how will he return? You have on your notes there? He will return as the great and glorious king. That's how he'll return. And the last one, Why? Of his returning. So the the fill-in-the-blanks are great and glorious, just so you know. Why is he returning? Why is Jesus I want to give you just three things very quickly. And you have it on your notes. Number one, he's returning for vindication. In other words, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. In other words, he is coming as a vindicated king who did not get the acknowledgement as king the first time. 
And the Father will vindicate him, the Spirit will vindicate him, and the world will see him as we believe him to be. He will be the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Second reason why he's coming, he's coming to reign. He's coming to rule and to reign this earth. He will finally and he will fully, completely put right everything that is wrong. He's going to put it right. He will not allow chaos to rule on the world anymore. He will rule the world completely, totally. He will be the only one to have influence on the earth, and Satan will be bound and no longer have influence, and he is coming as reigning supreme king to make it all right. The last one, he is coming for judgment. Now, this is a little uncomfortable for our 21st century Western civilization where nobody gets judged for anything. You can you do whatever you want. It feels good, do it. Don't let anyone judge you. Don't have any standards. But there is a standard. And it's at this judgment, and I don't mean to make light of this, it's at the judgment of Christ that not everyone gets a trophy. But according to Matthew 25, there's going to be four... There's, excuse me, there's not going to be four groups at the judgment of Christ. There's not going to be three groups at the judgment of Christ. There's going to be two groups being judged. They're going to be separated. And it's going to be sheep and goats. That's what Matthew 25 says. Those who belong to him and those who don't. And those who belong with him will be with him forever. Their judgment has already been paid. And they are free because of their commitment to follow Jesus and his commitment to cover their sins and remove their sins from their lives. And then the goats are those who are unbelievers. They're going to be sent to eat an eternal punishment in a place called hell. The second return of Christ matters for us as a church. It matters because once these events set into motion, there is no more reaching one more person for Jesus. There's no second chance. It's done. The judgment has been made. This moves me deeply when I hear this and I realize that there's a lost world that really needs Jesus. And I'm confronted with my own selfishness. How somehow we've made Christianity about stuff and we've forgotten that it's about souls it's about souls
It's about winning souls for Jesus. Because Jesus is coming back. And he didn't give, he, he didn't say, listen, you, I, you just hang out and I'll save the world. No. He said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And while I'm gone, I want you to reach the lost. I want you to heal the broken. I want you to get your hands dirty with the, with the unmentionables of society. I want you to be my light in the midst of darkness. I want you to proclaim my goodness and my gospel to the best of your ability. I'll see you later. Because he is returning, my friends. And our, our window of time, and, and, and it's at that moment that we as Christians are spending eternity. We're, we're, eternity. Like this window of, let's just say you live 80 years or 90 years or wherever you live, this 80 years in the span of eternity is so minor. I heard earlier, Scott told me that eternity is like one sparrow. And the time it takes for that sparrow to take the water from the Pacific Ocean and put it somewhere else. And it still doesn't compare to the time eternity will be. It's massive. And so we have this one life. And that's why this, the second coming of Christ really matters. Because we got one life. We have one opportunity to be light. We have one opportunity to, to preach the gospel. We have one opportunity to, to reach people. We get one life. And Jesus said, Occupy until I come. Move the kingdom forward until I return. Bring as many people as you can when I return. Bring them to me. Bring them to me. Bring them to me. Jesus is returning. And he's returning, and the, and the foundation of why he's returning is simply this. Because he loves us. And he told us he'd come back. But we still have a responsibility. It's this balance of Christianity. Grace and responsibility. Grace and responsibility. Jesus went. And he, he told his disciples out of John, he says this, If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. He's longing to see us, but he's longing for his mission John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only son. He's waiting for that message to be proclaimed to the ends of the earth. And deeply rooted in the second coming of Jesus is I love you and I love the world. And his promise that he will return will happen. But it's possible that he's waiting for more and more to come into his kingdom because the gospel hasn't been preached yet. 
And there's a lot of things about the second coming of Christ that are very interesting and very, they just move you to just do something. But it's important that we take the reality and the responsibility as a church that God's called us to reach the lost, my friends. He's called us to make a difference. He's called us not to live for ourselves, but to live in the light of his second coming, his return. And then at that time, we can chill out. That time we can hang out. It's in eternity. We're going to just worship God. And, and, and worship isn't about just singing songs. No, we, everything we do, we're going to be in awe of God. It's going to be the greatest adventure in life that you've ever dreamt of living. It's going to be eternity with God. But this should remind us that we have a job to do. We have a world to reach. We have disciples to make. We have a world to touch. We have a world to touch with the love of God as He is coming again. And time will be no more. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.